Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Thank you, Victor. Um, you know why we want to just emphasize a few things? Um, in one of the series, we spoke about the dimension of man as a conscious being and also a subconscious as well. And at the level of the subconscious, as you're interacting with people around you, you're taking things into your spirit and you're taking things into your soul and your heart. And over time, those things will become your life. So many things that we're battling to change today is a little too late in the day because, and maybe that's not too good in news, but it's a little too late in the day because there were things that had been programmed into you long before you became aware. But the good news is that now you know better. So as we go forward, we begin to protect ourselves. Social distance from anything or anyone that somehow purges your spirit. Many times, Deuteronomy 20, 32 verse 17 says that new gods have arrived. Do we have our reader, Jeffrey? Do you want to get him? Um, yeah, if you can read for us. Deuteronomy 32 verse 17. So we live in very interesting times. And that particular, thank you. I'm being mandated today. There's only one camera. So we are, I'm going to try to um, be civil is the word. <laughs> I'll try and be civil. Deuteronomy 32 verse 17. I think that's... Um, I'll just quickly pull a scripture from there. Deuteronomy 32 verse 17. Jeffrey, you're there? I think that's where he spoke about new gods, new arrivals. Uh, things we did not know of. Our parents didn't fight the same battle, but we're having to face them. Yeah, Deuteronomy 32, verse 17. New gods that we did not know of. Okay, read it. Okay, um, they sacrificed to false gods, which are not God. Gods they had not known, gods that recently appeared. Gods your ancestors did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Okay. Here is, here is the... And it's as though he's speaking to us even in our age and day. So we live in a time when the social media world and Google and everything, the internet has brought everybody into one village. So we now live side by side. It's no longer a global world. It's literally a global village or a global family. So somebody can post something and another person can see it, Right. And just a little thread of untrue statement about you will go viral before you wake up. So the reality of it is that even while the internet has the advantage for us of giving us access to information, let's not even forget that not all things you taste are worth swallowing. So you then have to be discerning as you go on. Uh, because everyone is itching to share, everyone is itching to teach, but there is something, there is the true test of, the, the Bible spoke about it, test all spirits. Right? So it's important for us that as we pursue because it's, it's one thing to seek but it's another thing to be, be satisfied. The little, the most little, um, most damaging um, things you can ever experience are not 100% lies. In fact, they will give you 98% truth and then those 2% will nail the coffin for you. I'm talking about people have read this Bible and went to war. People read this Bible and burned their neighbors at the stakes. People have read this Bible and committed suicide. Some people have read this Bible and said the world had no value for them and they had no business staying here because all that is in the world is evil. Yeah, the Bible says, the Spirit tells us that you're not meant to go with the letter because the letter killer, the Spirit giveth life. So it's not about reading the Bible. Some people are professors. They've read this Bible in and out. They know everything, but yet they're living in fear. They're living in doubt. They're living, their heart, love is far from them as love can possibly be. That's why it's important for us to, once again, before we dial into anything and begin to embrace whatever we want to take in, let's look at the reference. Our reference here has always been Christ. And Christ is actually the very accurate picture of God. We say here that Christ is our perfect theology. Now, there is a sense that you can go to the Old Testament. you find a few examples, right? And I keep saying it here, that if you go to the Old Testament, the modus of operandi is, that if, let me use technology here, the, the, uh, the OS, which is called the operating system of the Old Testament, is not the OS of the New Testament. So the operating system of the Old Testament was rooted in legalism law, 
right? So, and law was not given to be kept. Law was given to reveal that you can't keep it. So you can be sufficiently frustrated to point to a savior. But the operating system of the New Testament is rooted in grace. The per- and grace is not a thing. Grace is not a concept. Grace is a person. It's the person of Christ. So the word the grace is that everything, you know what it is? When Jesus said it is finished, what he did was that he accomplished for us everything that we are now experiencing in Christ. So you and I have been invited not to perform again. So there was a time Paul was speaking to them and Paul was saying, how can you people start in the spirit and end in the flesh? How can you possibly believe that after you've been brought out of law, you're going back there to perform it? If you look at Colossians 2 verse 8, Paul was making an argument. So this morning we're talking about spiritual in Lagos, right? But before I go into this, I want to just do a quick recap. Last week we spoke about this, the family secrets, that when you got born again, you did not just join a club called the Christian Club of, uh, Christian Association of Nigeria. I don't know what name you call it, but you didn't join a club. Some people think it's a club. You know, club, you have club membership. You have rules of clubbing, right? So, but I can tell you some people, that's their reality. They, their, their perception of Christianity is pretty much, you didn't, just, you didn't join a cult. The thing about a cult is that a cult is actually held by strange codes and secrets, right? God didn't invite you to a place where you then have to be suspicious of everything. For the cult, the cult at the end of the day is, many cults use the Bible actually. I don't know if you guys know of resurrection and all of those things. These are people, they are still rooted in the Bible. So for me, it's not about whether you have a conversation with the Bible then. It's about your understanding of what you're reading and the spirit with which you're bringing it and the interpretation that you're giving it. Some started well but ended differently because why? At the core of it, the spirit has been given to us to guide and to lead. But on the family secret, one of the things you must keep in mind is that when you got born again, there was something called adoption. Now, adoption in the context of our doing life, the way we understand adoption eh, in the modern world is that you are not my bloodline, but I give you my name. Right? So, if you're adopted into a family, you are technically carrying the name of the family, but not the bloodline. But when the Bible speaks of adoption, in the context of our existence, is not an adoption of a name. It's a restoration of your bloodline and a restoration of your name. So you always were in Christ. You, did, you only returned home. The adoption there was because somewhere in translation, there are certain words that can only come to convey that meaning. So he said, we, are the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, but we go back to source. And from where we established... From Genesis 1.26, we understand that in the creation story, God spoke to himself, let us make man in our image. God became the very core and the substance of, of our existence. So when God breathed into man, God did not breathe air, which established here. When God breathed into man, God breathed the breath life of God. He breathed the spirit of God into man. Man became a living being. So when we start to understand spirituality, we first of all start from this place. Who are you and what are you? Who is man? And what, because again, the complexity of this whole thing is... Um, I think let's look at this scripture. I'll look at 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 23. I was not meant to move too much. But, ah, is this permanent? Kura. So you're, you're going to be um, assistant today. So Jeffrey, give him the marker so that he can. So we're reading from 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Now, when we talk about Understanding the nature of man, before you understand spirituality, is important to clari- clarify this. So, um, who is there? Do you want to read for us? First Thessalonians 5.23 And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure, wholly consecrated to God, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved, sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's something I need us to notice there. This particular scripture actually identified three components to man. There is the spirit, there is the soul, and there is the body. So there are some people that actually identify with the fact that we are a soul, and they don't have room for the spiritual side. And I think if, if Paul mentioned spirit, soul, and body, he didn't say body and spirit. He didn't say body and soul. He said spirit, soul, and body. So technically... All three parts exist in you. And if you don't understand the context of salvation and how it plays out differently on all three, you realize that you're forever struggling to come into a certain level of freedom. 
So you're first, you're a spirit, you have a soul. Some of people say you're a soul, you have a spirit. But reality of it, the spirit and the soul are actually very closely linked. Right? But understand today that there are three dimensions to you. You're a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body, and you live in a body. Now, when, when John 4, verse 24, John 4 says that for, um, for anyone, if we worship him in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit, and anyone that worships worship him in spirit and in truth. So connect it. From 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we establish three types of man, or three components of man, spirit, soul, and body. John 4, verse 24, we establish something there again. God is a spirit. What it then fundamentally means that because God is a spirit and we're made in the image of God, we are also spirit beings. So God is a spirit and we are also spirit beings. So establish, you have spirit, you have soul, and you live in the body. Now, here is the complication of salvation. Spiritual, spiritual realities are already established in you. By virtue of your, your redemption, it's complete. It's a spiritual reality. But there is yet a work that needs to be done in the realm of the, of the soul. Because the soul is your default consciousness. So every day you wake up, your soul is active in you. Your soul is, is actually speaking. Your soul is actually thinking. Every thought you think is a component of your soul. So the soul has a component to it. The soul has the emotions. The soul has the will. The soul has the intellect. So your, your BSc or your BA or your, yeah, your B, whatever degree you have is a component of your soul. So you are, your soul is the intellect part, but intellect is not the best way to search for God or to know God. So some people can be intellectually, they can be filled with knowledge of God, but they don't, the spirit is not even there. So if you follow knowledge, you end up in a ditch. Because the, the prof, if knowledge was the answer, professors of theology are also... Um, do you know, if you go, America, if you go abroad, you find professors of theology that are atheists. They will even bring Hebrew mysticism and download it for you and tell you biblical inconsistencies. And they tell you, they can be accurate, they'll quote scriptures more than you, yet they don't believe because it's not given to the intellect to know God. It is by faith and your heart will see it. So it says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it is with the heart you identify. So Korah, they are basically, when it comes to spirituality, there is a spectrum, right? And I can tell you for a fact, every one of us here, we are on that spectrum. And, you know, back in the day, in the first century when Christianity started, Jesus did not come to set up a religion. No. Guys, let me tell you what it is. He never came seeking to, to, to begin a religion. He was speaking of something that was so fundamental. He kept telling them that, see, I'm here to reveal something about something to you, who you are in God and where you came from. So think about it. The prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son was his introduction to say there is a home from which you left and you're returning to. So he was telling them of fatherhood of God and he was telling them of the identity. And so when, he, when we understand that everyone today came from God, Guess what? When God met Moses in the burning bush, how did he introduce himself? He introduced himself as I am that I am. And in Matthew 16, or thereabout, when Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say I am? You know what was established there? He, he said, who do men say that I am? And Paul said, uh, uh, Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. What it means that your identity is not something you acquire by education. Your identity is something that comes by revelation. Right? So, ed education cannot, if not, the most educated people should, should be the most secured. But you can meet an educated man who is still deeply insecure and how about the complex of the, in the world to deal with? So, he didn't come to begin a religion. He came to introduce us to spirituality. And today, I want us to talk a bit about, before we go into spiritual in Lagos, let's all try and understand what is spirituality, what is religion. And today, why is it that many, we have, if you go out, if you drive around Lagos, now Lagos is empty. Pre-COVID, people will be in church. They'll be in church. The church everywhere is filled up. But has it ever puzzled you that we have churches filled up every Sunday, but our society is still in decay and depravity? What is missing? How do we, how come we attend? We, when it comes to God, we dance more than most. Jesus, Jesus, that, that, oh, have you seen Nigerians dance? Oh, Lord. If, we know how to give the praise. But when it comes to living the life, we seem to fall short. It's as though that Christianity is more a concept in our head but not a reality in our hearts that drives our decisions, how we live day by day. Now, for us to make a change, I don't think we need another church in Lagos if that church will end up being religious. We don't need it to. Just look for the next door and enter. Right? But if you really want to make change, right, you have to begin with spirituality. Now, could I bring you close? Bring you close. I'll, I'll try to think of it. These words now carry meaning, you know? There was one particular day I met, um, you know, there's a, there's a phrase we use now. People say things like, I am I'm spiritual but not religious. Now, again, you might, that thing might, you might wrestle with it if you don't understand definitions. So let's even start by understanding the definition. When, 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 when religion comes from a Greek word called religie, 
right? It's a Greek word called religate. You know what religate means? Religate is the same place where we, got, where we get the word ligament. Now, ligament is, if you studied biology, ligament is used for joining. So it was meant to be the, possibility, the search for union, right? The, the search for communion. So it was about finding that communion between... Um, so religion was actually spirituality at the beginning, right? Because religion, from the root word, means man's desire to connect. It was a pursuit for connection. So everything we did, people were seeking to know God. And every religion today is man's attempt to find, connect, and know God. So let's see the spectrum. This is, I'll put this here. I'll put a religion here. And I'll, I'll put spirituality here. Now, spirituality, again, there is another temperament. Yeah, there's another te um, template to think about. I'll keep two words. I'll keep, um, I'll keep something called fundamentalist. fundamentalist. And I'll put something here called mystics or mysticism. And I will put a word here. So there is something called consciousness. And I will explain it a bit. So religion started with man's pursuit for God. But you know, across the ages, the Bible you and I are holding today, God, God did all he could to preserve it for us. The Bible went through a series of political attacks. People did different. There was Nicene Creed. There was the Apostles' Creed. There was... The, um, there was Constantine, people did all sorts, right? But the Bible is enough. So you that you are going to look for Maccabees and say, Maccabees, why did they remove it? That is extracurricular activity. First of all, finish the one, the one that they gave you. You have not finished it, right? You are not looking for extracurricular. And some people have followed that one, entered things. And before long, they don't know what to believe anymore. Because the spiritual realm is actually an open realm. Right? And the, 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 the most damning spiritual experiences are the ones that come as angel of light. So, they come in the name of God. They come like light. But when you encounter them, you know you're not, you, you know something changes. Right? So, in your, spiritual, spirituality on the other hand is actually about you understanding. There are three things that define spirituality. One of them is communion. The other one is connection. Right? So what communion and connection means? Communion, connection means that Jesus said it, we spoke about it. So if you're following, you might want to dial back to some of the series so we don't spend time going back again. But if you go from John 14, John 15, John 17, 20, he was speaking about something. He said, I and my father are one. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. And he spoke about it with authority that Christ, God is in me. God lives in me. God, I carry God. And Paul also said, you are the temple of the living God. So what it means is that God did not just create you to exist outside of him. He created you to live with you and through you. So the life that powers you now is God. And that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And if you carry the Holy Spirit, wherever you see the Holy Spirit, Christ and God is inside. So it's the full head of, the, the, full, the full Godhead is actually carried in it. So Romans 8, 14 says the same thing. The same spirit that is in Christ is the same spirit that is now in you. So every possibility that Christ exemplified and lived out, you should live it in this context. Now, but at the end of the day, we've established that there are, there are three sides to you, spirit, soul, and body. Now, when it comes to spirituality, spirituality is about a desire, a connection that identifies with one, that you are one with God. And two, that you are not just one with God. He lives with you and in you. Now, spirituality, when it comes to Eastern and Western, there are different things. So, the Eastern people, they understand connection. A lot of them understand union. So, if you look at all these Buddhist monks, they get union more than Christians. They will tell you that they are one with the divine. Many times they won't call him God, or they might not call him, they might call him universe. They, they have their words. But in principle, they identify with the fact that they are one with God. Where many of them struggle with is because they don't understand, know him as a person. There is no intimacy, and then there is no, there is no communion. So, but in the Christian context, God is not a concept. He's not the universe. He created the universe. He's not the galaxies. He created the galaxies. The stars are a product of his imagination. But can he know, by no stretch of imagination should replace him. So people that will start to pursue stars and black magic is a slippery slope because Romans 1.18 has already told us the, the, one of the crises of humanity is to replace the, created, the creator with created things. You begin to turn it upside down and you take on the nature of that which you worship. If you don't start worshiping the universe, you carry that. But that is why Christianity for me uh, is not just... It's an encounter that I've had. It's something I know I've experienced. But put encounter aside. 
put every spiritual experience aside, I would choose Christianity over many other religions. And I can tell you why. Because I have, from a logical point of view, there is more consistency in Christianity than in any other religion. In every religion, it was man's attempt to find God. Christianity is the only place where God took the initiative to reveal himself. He didn't, you didn't look for him, he came for you. So, Buddha, Hare Krishna, all those guys, people have to find them. They, they, the seekers have to seek. In Christianity, the Savior was the seeker. So you see why, I, and, and it, it's, if, if you're a writer and you know the structure of storytelling, it blows your mind. This is a story where the hero became, the, the Savior became the victim. He took your place. In every other religion, they will roast you for, the gods will say, give me five of your daughters at the stakes. <laughs> and then the, the man will say, no, your wife nest. Right? So the, the gods were takers. In Christ, we find the God that was a giver. And so, many times, people read the Old Testament, and if you don't make the connection between the Old Testament, you, you don't understand that the Bible is not a book. Hey, please note, the Bible is not a book. So, for many of you that actually think that the Bible is a book, you are looking for, you are looking for plots. You are looking, um, looking for how the story... No! The Bible is actually a library. Those are 66 books written over a thousand, a thousand years apart. Most of the authors didn't live in the same civilization, didn't have the same context. As the world was evolving, so were the understanding of God. And the Bible is as much a witness to the word of God as it is an evolution of man's understanding of God. So when you begin from, when you begin from Genesis, at some point they had, a, they had a polytheistic worldview where they believed that everything, that there were multiple gods, until Abraham came on the scene and God made a covenant with Abraham. Now I want to reveal to you the one and true God. And God said, let me tell you, it's not that the other, they were following Apollos, these, that they were, multi, they were sacrificing everything. And he said, no, let me introduce you to myself. I am the God, the Father, the Maker. And God established a covenant with Abraham and brought Abraham into a personal relationship. So that was the first time the Hebrew nation started because the Hebrew nation suddenly called themselves out of the house of the Chaldean, a very deep, a most polytheistic society started to identify with God as the only true God. So he said, Abraham, I'm desiring of a nation. The nation wasn't Abraham's idea. God said, I need a people to reveal myself to. But Abraham was a typology of Christ. Because he's saying that through you and in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So God selects to include. Or God excludes to include. Like God will say, come and, and put, pull yourself away. So that when I do what I need to do, I will take back and bring everybody in you. That was the intention, right, with Abraham. So he preserved, Abraham was elect. Abraham was the elect, but the elect was not to stop at 130 people. The elect was that God, through the, through the, after the election, he will make it open and say, this is your atonement. Salvation has happened. Come ye and participate. So spirituality is rooted in your understanding that God is not outside of you, that God is not distant from you, that God is not on sabbatical, that God, you are not inferior to God. God is not ashamed of you. God is not tolerating you. God is not mad at you. God is not upset with you. God is not chasing you away. God is not saying, this girl, don't come again. You understand? No, that's the way. If you're not careful, if you go and carry some of the understanding of religion, because religion starts with spirituality, and then spirituality soon becomes religion. Once there's an introduction of dogma, people oftentimes lose freedom, and they begin to worship the book and not the person. Forgetting that the book was a shadow pointing the finger to something, and they worship the finger, forgetting where the finger is pointing to. And so you take on the nature of the, of, of, of the finger. So at the end of the day, some people are more Pharisees than they are Christ. Because, and they'll tell you, the Bible says it, Christ lived in law. He spoke in the context of law. When everything became apparent in grace, reconcile it. When he was telling them that uh, if you dare as well as entertain the possibility to lust off a woman, you've committed it. Some Christians don't die there. But he wasn't talking to you. He was talking to the Pharisees who were trying hard to keep the law. And he was breaking their tables. He told them, see, this law that they tried to keep, you may not commit the act, but your heart has committed it. You fall in. He was telling them how hard it was to keep the law. Some Christians have not used that one to tie chains around their necks. Looking for them, looking for what is not lost. So at the end of the day, your spirituality, if you don't believe that you are one with God and you live in God, we can, even, we can actually put this conversation aside. And I can tell you that, please, let's put our phones on silence here so we can I get a little distracted sometimes. But if you don't have an accurate revelation of God, you will struggle. So think about it. Even some of us here, 
our religion again is rooted more in rituals, in rules. Spirituality comes in with relationship. So in this particular context, when people wake up, they, they follow formula. It's cut and paste. That's why some people took the Lord's Prayer and made it into an anthem. The Lord's Prayer, if you didn't pray it in secondary school in Nigeria, you've not started. <laughs> we prayed it. But you know, Christ wasn't giving them a pattern to repeat. He wasn't giving them a prayer to repeat. He was giving them a pattern for connection. So when he said, when you want to pray, think about this, our Father who art in heaven. Now there are two interpretations to this because he had already come to reveal to them that the kingdom of God is not outside of you. The kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God is on two levels. The kingdom of God is actually, the kingdom of God is in the celestial realm, the heavenly realms, but there is also the, the, the dimension of heaven within you. So he was telling them that, see, whenever you want to pray, also learn to shut yourself out of this. He was speaking from consciousness. When you want to pray, forget everything around you and consent, get into, lock yourself. He wasn't talking about going to the closet as in going to the toilet. There's a place where the, you will interpret it as that if you're in the law. But once you come into understanding of union, he was talking about, understand again that whenever you want to pray, you're thinking that God is far away from you. You dilute the potency of that prayer. He never did that. He stayed conscious. So there's connection, there's communion, and there's consciousness. So spirituality for many of us, there are different degrees of consciousness. And it depends on where you fall. You're either a natural man, or you're either a carnal man, or a spiritual man. And the Bible gave us an example for, of all three. Let's, let's, let's just write that for me. Three types, carnal, I want us to look at um, 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, but a, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So this is a type of... No, natural. Can I use your handwriting? What's past my own? <laughs> Honestly, it's like we just went from frying pan and right in the fire. Okay. No, we can, we, can, we can use this now. So, if you write that scripture down, you can go and study. 1 Corinthians 2.14 was speaking of the fact that, and let's look, look at, um, um, if you let's read from Romans 8, 4 to 6, um, you can read NKJV. I like NKJV sometimes. NKJV doesn't, you, you know, there's a, there's, there's a Bible language that we grew up with, when you say, hear ye the word of the Lord today, <laughs> and your hearts will shake. So, there is the natural man, and now, in, in, if we read from, that's 1 Corinthians 2.14, if we read from um, Romans, Romans 8, 4. Okay, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirits, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, so the flesh is what carnal is. So he's talking about a type of thinking or a type of consciousness that is spiritual, a type of con consciousness, because every man fundamentally is spiritual. We are spirit beings, but he's still talking about that at the end of the day, there is spiritual, there's carnal, there's natural. So can anybody explain to me what the difference, let's crack this together. What is the difference between the carnal man and the natural man? Is there a difference? Yes. Yeah, give it a shot. Okay, so the carnal man has accepted like there's Christ, but he hasn't left the things. He's like in the limbo. But the natural man is like dead. dead okay. Dead. <laughs> Honestly, the natural man, and today when you talk about a lot of debates going on about is God real, does God exist? Many of them are naturally, they're natural people. For natural, the senses is how they live. It's, they, it's, it's about logic. It's about scientific empirical evidence. So for them, if they cannot proof to you in the court of law that a virgin can become pregnant, they can't subscribe to it. So those things have actually become roadblocks. They, have, they become strongholds. That how can a virgin become pregnant? So they'll be like, can, did the son really stand still? Ah, no, no, he can't go No, 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 no. And they were going to be tracing. There was a year that there was this eclipse and the sun did not move. 
So they are looking for ways to identify or, or corroborate the story. But the Bible wasn't written to you on a natural basis. The Bible is a spiritual book. So the Bible wasn't talking about scientific empirical evidence. The Bible was talking about a spiritual, supernatural life. And supernatural, you don't... Ma Asuna, when they see demon for x-ray. No, honestly. Go x-ray when I go see demon. Meanwhile, demon is real. Do you know there, is this, um, there was this particular novel I was reading... Um, Jackie Buckingham, the guy's name, he was a Baptist priest. His son bought a CD somewhere and the guy woke up in the middle of the night with severe ear, uh, earache. And they came out and rushed him to the hospital. They did x-ray, there was nothing. You know. They tried it and they said, okay, this is rather strange. Okay, go back home. The second night, the same thing. In fact, this time, the ache came out with a few friends. You know how the Bible, the Bible says that when the demon they are coming by, they say, brother, there's an empty space. So please, uh, you, you bring your girlfriend along. It's going to be a party in there. <laughs> so, of course, they came. The guy, the, the pain was severe. And so there was a, one of his father's friends that came in and said, this is rather strange. The man didn't just even think of praying. You know, a lot of them are reformed teachers. They don't even believe that miracle exists. For them, he seized with the last apostle. So they've thrown away the baby and kept the bait water. So now what they want to be, it's talking theology. But you don't have life. Small devil press you, no solution. You understand? So at the end of the day, they actually carried, when they, they now start praying, as we're praying, the man said he picked up something, that, like the Holy Spirit ministered to him, that there was something in the guy's room, and the, the guy brought out a CD that he bought, or a, a, a tape. Or, no, it was this one, because a really old book, so it was, he brought it out, and it was a word band with symbols and signs and they, 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 it was the music was a chant they didn't have words you understand so the guy said that was what he was playing you know they took that CD the guy was healed my point is that demons don't show on x-ray so when you actually take that when you when you take life purely on a natural basis you will be shortchanged and do you know why I can tell you for a fact men who have conquered look at Hebrews 11 Time might not permit us. Go and read Hebrews 11. Everyone who was mentioned there in the Hall of Fame, they were not men who operated in the natural sequence of things. Let me tell you, but let's even talk about Noah. Baba Noah came up one day in the scene and said, um, guys, there's, there's something coming. I really want you guys to know that we need to prepare for what's coming. And you know, how long did he build the ark? How long? No, there should be Bible scholars here. How long did he build the ark for? 120 years. Now, guys... I know, Nigeria is 60 in a few weeks. <laughs> so it's, it's harder to put it, but for 120 years, and at the time Noah was building this ark, they, you know, they didn't know what, what, they didn't know rain. Rain was not necessarily a thing, Bible said. They didn't even know flood. And Noah was telling them that, guys, I need you to make it bigger. If anybody has spiritual sight, if they were not all natural men, some of them would have said, let's make this thing bigger. And they would have come together and scaled the ark. But they, did, they were laughing at him. In fact, he made headlines. There is this man, I think he has lost himself. And then the commentators will come on CNN. We found that this, um, it, it runs in the family. The father before him had this thing going on. And um, his father just disappeared, called Methuselah. No one saw him. They said, oh, his father disappeared. Yes, um, uh, Noah and um, Enoch, his grandfather, he just disappeared. Oh, the family, are they, are they aliens? We suspect, right? So they were analyzing the news, forgetting the mystery that something was coming. The ark was God's mercy. But the natural man cannot see the things of the spirit. They are spiritually discerned. So natural men, if you are led by natural men, you go struggle. If you are married to a natural man and you're a spiritual person, forget it. You're picking signals. We're not flying today. The man said, my sister's wedding. We must fly. What do you want my family to say? Because he's not programmed. He's not picking anything. So you go and die in a death that was not meant for you. Because you have submitted yourself to an authority that is not submitted to him. So we must be careful in relationship to, it is important to know where is this man in relation to God. You can't marry a natural man. You say you want to start business. Man, shut it down. You can't be selling a giddy. What's that? You're, you're going to disrepute our family. In our family, you know that you can't marry, you can't date a natural girl. And you're in between jobs. And he said, I think I should use this microphone for Uber. She said, don't embarrass me. Imagine you coming around with Uber. My, it's my sister that you are bringing. Is that respect in that one? And you know, before long, natural men will program you out of your destiny. If you're a partner in a business and your other partner is a natural man, you guys will miss not a few opportunities. And if you don't have controlling say, you're in trouble. 
because you'll be subjected. I, this film, I think guys are going to check it out. Maybe I shouldn't say it because I'm not happy with them. Netflix, I'm not happy with them. See what they're doing to kids. Natural men. That's the problem. Natural men, in their own, they feel the science is entertainment, is media. Using small girls to do all of those things. They're exploiting those girls. Right? They're exploiting those girls. But there was a, there's a movie there called Frozen, um, The Founder. It was a story about the McDonald's, um, the brothers. Deacon, I think, have it. Those guys just didn't, they had innovation, but they didn't have scale, imagination. You understand? So they started the business. They could not see because they were in the natural. Then somehow a dream interpreter comes. You know, God always sends an interpreter. So if you're a spiritual man, you will know an interpreter. Think about it now. Why would he give the dream to Pharaoh and the interpretation of Moses? Why would this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, he saw the handwriting on the wall, he can't read it. But about your, your king, you're the strongest man. At that time, Babylon was the world power. The king could not read it. He called all the guys. He said, interpret this thing now or you die tonight. Daniel saved even the, the false ones. Their neck were going to go for it. But king, you know if you read, why are you going to read them? But the point is that his king, at the end of the day, what you find is God sent an interpreter and these guys could not even pick it. They were saying McDonald's can be in different places. They couldn't see it. You must look, and even sometimes God sends interpreter to interpreters. So because at the, the man's own turnaround was meeting somebody that told him, your, your business model is flawed. But I'm saying that natural men, imagine if Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a natural man, and your girlfriend comes and said, I, I, was, I was meaning to tell you, there was this night I was alone, and there was this overwhelming presence that invaded the room, and the, and the thing just overshadowed me. And I heard a word saying, you've conceived. And the natural man, don't, that day, he would collect his ring back. You know, they were not formally married. They were engaged. So he had put a ring on it. And this kind of story, although he played to the natural for a while, but natural men will even miss, they will misinterpret it, miss the signal. So God sent a signal to Angel, please come in down. Tell him that nobody played the, nobody played the first one on him. <laughs> You're not being outsmarted. You're not being played. There is God in this. And the guy came and brought him to it. Even Zachariah, do you know when they gave birth to John the Baptist? They all came and said, Zachariah! By this time, God had silenced his father. Father couldn't speak. The man said, please give me paper. That's not the name I'm hearing. He wrote John. They're going to name him out of his destiny. Natural man. Imagine God. Natural man. God showed up to um, Abraham and said, Abraham, I have a deal. Let's go somewhere. Some people, where are we going? Where now? Just, where are we staying? But my point is, I'm not saying we shouldn't be logical, but I'm saying that if logic is how you do life, there are many things from the spirit that logic cannot handle. So you have to also make room for, your, for that possibility. God will call you into dreams that are bigger than you. Imagine Moses. Moses was the first person that started the um, liberation movement. That year, Jew, is it Hebrew life matter or Jew life matter? And Interesting, no, interestingly, the guy saw a burning bush. Imagine if you, you meet a burning bush today, there's no fire in that, you don't move. That day you tell your landlord, please give me my money back. <laughs> I see signs of occult. It's, I see this man as money. You know, you interpret it. But my point is, natural men are leading our country too. So there is a sense that decisions are made purely from this. For a natural man, if he's if, if a, a financial industry, his income is his identity. All right, so see what's saying here. Romans 8, I'm going to read from Romans 8. Um, I'm going to read from Romans 8 from verse 5. Now, the TPT version, let's look at that. Romans 8, 5, the TPT version, it says, Those who are motivated by flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Now, let's even pause for a second. Those who are motivated by flesh only pursue what benefits them. Now, the question I want to ask you is, why are you doing what you're doing? Right? What, what, are you, what is driving your desire to do fashion? What is driving your desire to do evangelism? What is driving your desire to do, to do, to even get married? These things are important. Because not all dreams in your life are from God. Let me tell you the hallmark. If your dream is from God, God's dreams are always about two things. God, his dreams are always about the flourishing of humanity and the preservation of posterity. Ask yourself, in that dream, 
Is it the flourishing of humanity or is it the preservation of posterity? Any dream that is altered by God will have that. So let me give you, for instance, um, you, every dream, think about the dream with Abraham. The dream God gave to Abraham, or even go back in time, um, the, the conversation God had with Adam, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So, you know, here at the tribe, I've been doing a bit of work to help people understand that God is not opposed to your prosperity. In fact, prosperity is not a carnal word. Hey, hey, prosperity, do you know, because I'm coming from a place where after hearing it, you start thinking it's a carnal word. Prosperity is not a carnal word. I understand that some people have taken it above board and now manipulate people. But first of all, prosperity is actually the, the flourishing of yourself and the things around you. So prosperity is not a carnal word. It's not a natural word. It is actually a principle that God wired you. Birds will fly. That's prosperity. Trees will, plants will grow. That's prosperity. Fish will swim. That's prosperity. You will prosper. You will produce. So when you come to a, a season of your life where you're not productive, you're not bearing anything, it's, you, you, have mis, you have to redefine what it is for you because you are meant to. If the birds can fly, even those in a cage can still fly. And talk about you that the Spirit of God have come to set you free. So my point is you cannot have the Spirit of God and then live in that same space. Prosperity is a consequence, not a pop, not a, not a, not, it's not a goal for us, but it's a consequence of our obedience. Because God is about saving people. So God will inspire something in your heart to do for people. Christopher Columbus that fought against slave trade, he picked up a word and went to town. Moses, his desire was not to take over Pharaoh and become king. His desire was to free people. God's dream is about the flourishing of humanity, liberation, setting people free, and the preservation of posterity. Every dream that has been uttered by God. Think about the, the, um, David. David went against Goliath. Why? It was the preservation of Israel. Because the Philistines were going to have them for breakfast. So at the end of the day, they understood God was preserving the people in the, in the conquest of Goliath. If you track it, the coming of Christ was about the flourishing of humanity and about the post, uh, preservation of posterity. If your dream is about just a, fine, a, a better car, there is nothing wrong in you desiring the fine things of life. But the dreams of God are deeper than just about you and the, so, and the vanity metrics that you buy, you've bought into. So at the end of the day, your spirituality is going to be on this. It's either you are here, here, or here. And it's, not a, it's a consciousness, so it's not static. You can actually go to bed fully a spiritual man and wake up a carnal man. Right? So it's, 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 it's sort of fluid. That's why even us that are pastors, you have to stay in it. Because after, after you've built up a little, you just realize, just one business meeting, and you're seeing greed on display. You're saying, this, this, is, not, this, this is not working. Sorry, this is not working. And you're not... Your consciousness is just ebbing. You understand? So my point is, your consciousness be rooted in the fact that you're one with God, you have connection to God, and that helps you to do life. Now, with the spiritual man, you are not your thoughts. But in the carnal man, you're your thoughts. So there's something called the ego. And all that is in a, in a natural man is his ego. Except they've gone through some tra traumatic experience or painful experience. You know, life will humiliate you sometimes and ego will give way. But if you're not going through, it's sometimes it's through pain, what we call the dark night of the soul, that some people begin to question why they live the way they do. COVID was a dark night of the soul for many people because they have a, they have a wardrobe full of clothes that they can't wear. So the, the, there was no, after investing this year to show them pepper, there was now no pepper them gang. Right? You woke up, you realize that you don't have that. So at the end of the day, if that was the basis, you, you people started to question. Even I, I spoke to you about how in Lagos here, oftentimes you can get so busy pursuing money, pursuing things, and you, you have very short attention to family and to more important things, right? COVID put a pause for many people. It was the only time in their lives where things had to slow down for them to think. So when you're a natural man and a carnal man, he, the problem with this natural man and a carnal man is that they are so bonded with their thoughts that they think they're their thoughts. So they are their point of view. And it, the religious people, play to this. So, religion, like I said, started with a desire for man to find God. But over the years, religion now, if you go and look at Webster Dictionary, it's saying that religion is actually an organized institution guided by rituals and beliefs. So, even the dictionary of modern times have changed the meaning of religion from what it used to be to this. Right? And it's no longer possible for us to say spirituality and religion is the same. It is not the same anymore, brother. It's not the same anything, sister. It's changed now. Religion is now about an organized institution and a system of beliefs, rules, and ritual. Spirituality is about man's desire and connection, understanding that he's what he is, Christ is within him now. So for a, spirit, a spiritual man, I'm not talking about Eastern spirituality. 
Because those ones, if you go and root in Eastern spirituality, everything is different. You know, let's talk meditation. In the context of Eastern spirituality, meditation is about silence. It's about silence. But in the context of Christian spirituality, meditation is actually about you embracing the words that has been spoken about you. It's about meditating on the words. It's about inviting the words, not losing the words. Because the words are, for us, the word is Christ. So we cannot empty, it's not wordless meditation. Wordless meditation or silence is not that. For us in Christianity, we are letting the word drill into our subconscious. So if you go and follow Eastern, and then Eastern spirituality, because they don't always identify God as a, on a subjective level, but more on an objective level. But by that I mean, they understand God more from a distance, not necessarily a personal God that they can know. Many times they are engaging from a point of, okay, let's dissolve and lose, lose ourselves. So in the Eastern spirituality, is losing yourself, right? So it's not when, when they tell you oneness, you say, oh yeah, we talk oneness. It's not the same oneness, right? But in the principle, they have something, not all there, okay, some of them are useful and they help us, they give us context because dogma, <laughs> okay, let me just stay on my track. So at the end of the day, spirituality in the Christian context is, is something that I think we all should pay attention and start building our lives into. Spirituality is not about you losing yourself. It's about you discovering Christ within you. So Christ within you now is the hope of glory. The life you now live is Christ. So in, 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 in spirituality, the consciousness is not, human, is not our self-consciousness. It's about our Christ consciousness. And that means a lot when, when I'll help you process it. The self-consciousness is about I, myself, and I. So let me tell you, I've told you guys before, everything we're battling today, the wars people are fighting is because they think that their thoughts. Hitler one day felt that the Germans were superior. They were racist even to their own color. Let's even put out the blacks there. Even their own color, because those guys are not black now. They're not, but he was racist. And at the end of the day, if, you're, if you're I, the I am, your I is about you, you will make terrible decisions because at any point in time, you would always about be, you'll be about self-preservation. You'll be about doing things to use people as a means to an end. But God has called us to serve people, not use people. And if you come into spirituality, spirituality is rooted in love. Because God is love, spirituality is rooted in love. What's the opposite here? Religion. Fear. If you grew up in Nigerian church, you went to church because if you don't go, your father will knock your head. Don't come and be the black sheep that will not spoil the family name. You understand? So you were programmed to go to church. The day you, you know, the first time you enter university for some of us and realized that Sunday was yours. You went back to sleep. In fact, you slept one month stretch before you now say, well, what church can I begin to attend? Because you had to heal. You have been, you have been forced to attend. So, some people, they, they didn't even go back again from that university. They continued. Even started saying they're agnostic or they don't believe again. Because there was never a personal encounter. Spirituality, religion is about vicariously living through other people's belief. You believe in the belief of your man of God. Not that you enter your own. So, the day that man of God one girl will just come and say, he has been pressing me. Has been... You say, I'm... you will be crisis. Because at the end of the day, the man was the God. You never passed it. He wasn't pointing you to him. So the beauty of spirituality in Christian experience is that he's personal to you. He's personal and you, must... you have to know him on a personal level. And he's not prescriptive. No, he's not prescriptive. But religion is, everybody stand up. You know, I, my house, eh, 5 a.m., I, I, I can't even imagine that we must have been a terror to the neighborhood. <laughs> Because we prayed, though. But at the time, my mom is an amazing person. But her marriage was going through stuff. So the prayer point was restore and redeem. <laughs> so we're praying back the Father. <laughs> so the, and everybody was recruited as part of the prayer. I mean, yeah, take your position. And it, even, even while we are praying to help, you're in the battle with her. She said, you're not loud enough. <laughs> because maybe, no, the louder, the devil will hear. So, you know, it was, and some of us carry that, and if, you know, some of you, you are, you are praying with your father, your father will say, John 3, 17. Quote it, quote it. You, you don't know John 3, 17. Okay. Which, which, okay, which scripture do you know? Which, which you don't know any, you don't know any scripture. <laughs> do you know, when they are doing that thing to you, they are feeling like they failed. Because, so you know scripture, you can't quote one. You know, and then you know that when you are singing with your father, you have to, Sing because it, keep your phone, 
keep that phone. I'll break it. If I take it from you, I'll flush it in the toilet. You will have no phone. If you buy another one, I'll take it. I'll keep seizing it. So, you know, that's African father. And you know, some of us just carry that image. And just even when you're singing, you're a good, good father. As you're singing it to God, you are, your father is still showing up. In your imagination, God is like this. Louder. I can't hear you. So, so, so you're singing, good, good father is who you are. But at the end of the day, religion is rooted in fear. And one of the litmus tests of knowing if you're growing in God is are you, grow, is, are you growing in fear or are you growing in love? Perfect love casts away all fear. So anytime you find yourself in an environment, whether it is Christian or but you're, you have, you're more afraid, right? Then there is, a, there is there's something to be worried about. Because you cannot, the spirit of the Lord cannot coexist with fear. He's about his perfect liberty. So you're meant to hear him and be joyful and, and, and rise up in him. So spirituality in this 21st century, we need to, I wouldn't say craft. Because the last time, some people can craft another thing now and be putting you in trouble. So discover in Christ the spirituality that is functional for you. Discover in Christ the spirituality that is functional for you. The scripture has been given to us as our guide. God can never oppose himself. If you come from Christ, there is never a time the scripture would put you in trouble. So I think when we say we are not doing scripture again, we are even more at risk of falling off the radar. So please, the Bible, I'm, you know, yeah, we're not dogmatic about the things we interpret from the Bible and how we study. But I've, so I've told you before, if you follow Christ, the lens of Christ, the Bible takes on a whole new meaning. Everything you see in the Bible takes on a whole new meaning. Christ is God's perfect revelation of himself. God was, in, God was in Christ revealing himself to the world. When God spoke, Christ was the word. And Christ has always been with God in the beginning. So John 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was, was the word. So if, who can interpret God better than God himself? Not Moses. Moses came late now. Abraham, yes, he came late. Even Adam came late. God came looking for them. They had fear and they were hiding because religion had come. They had become separate. In there, there is an illusion of separation. So when they, because they felt that they were separated from God, whenever you hear what could produce joy, it produces fear. Religion is rooted in separation. That is rooted in union. Separation means that you have to find God. So you become a spirit thing. You get attached to that. So the church... You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.